Hello, everybody. Yeah, a little late to the party. Well, I'm always a little late to the party, but there is there was a bunch of fights that went down. Um, from UFC, Bellator, Tank Tank versus Garcia. Um, so we'll just start it off with we'll start it off with UFC. Nothing really eventful. I mean, Sergey Pavlov beat. Curtis Blaze, no surprise. He has problems with guys. It, it was kind of no surprise, you know. He has problems with guys who are who have power, you know. Whenever he faces a guy who has a power punch, who's got power in their hands, he has issues. You know, that's kind of but that's kind of always like an Achilles heel of of wrestlers to an extent, is when they face a guy who's really powerful or has the strength to match their wrestling, they kind of have these issues, but yeah, so didn't really watch it. It was no surprise. I was kind of figured. And it's funny how everybody's hyping him up, but they're forgetting that Alistair Overeem, an unroided Alistair Overeem, put the whooping on Sergey a couple years, not long ago. So, but overall, yeah. uh, Bellator had two events, and the second, you know, the first event was headlined by Liz Carmouche, who after an incredible back and forth fight with her opponent, managed to get the win and keep her belt. It was very impressive. I mean, Liz Carmouche pretty much shows why she's always been a top five, top 10 fighter. You know, it, you know, she was a strike force champion, you know, she's fought, she's fought everybody and has been fighting. Everybody has a victory over Valentina Shevchenko. Um, you know, has fought for, I mean, yeah, she's fought for titles, you know, on multiple occasions, you know, as we've seen, it's not the first time, and I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll be the last, um, you know, it'll be the last, uh, apparently she is going to, she want, apparently there's talks of her fighting, I guess, uh, if I'm pronouncing her name right, Leah McFellin or McFarrell, Flairlin, uh, she's a Hawaiian chick, um, who just won her fight, it was good, wasn't great. I mean, you know, uh, you can tell just, you, you can tell, the, um, you know, the Hawaiian girl, you could tell that her, you can tell it's, it's been a while since she's fought in the ring and fought in the cage. And you can tell her, you, you can tell her grappling. You could just tell her her grappling seemed very off. You know, she did a very good job, though. You know, a lot of people thought there were some people who thought that she lost the fight. I don't think she lost the fight. Um, I think, you know, she was attacking. She was actually trying to do damage. Her opponent, yes, was getting the takedowns and had some positions, but didn't really do much with it. Um, like I said, it was a good back and forth fight. Um, do I think that the girl is ready for Liz. I don't think so, but she wants that to be her last fight. She was a big star of Bellator. Liz is a very well-known fighter who's also a world champion. It makes sense. They'll probably do it, you know, put it on a big Bellator card and all that stuff. But uh, let's get to the second night of Bellator fights. Patchy Mix. Patchy Mix versus Stokes was, uh, I mean, um, that fight pretty much ended before it began. Fight starts out, Stokes, you know, is, is circling, 
Patchy is moving, you know, he's closing the distance. And the thing that everybody was figured is that this fight would be mostly contested on the ground, just due to the fact that Stokes is the better wrestler, Patchy is a grappler. Most people, the consensus was that Stokes was probably going to take him down, you know, and maybe use and, and, but have the advantage on the feet because Patchy never really had great striking. He was a very wild, very wild striker, you know, but he made up for it by having a really good ground game. So if you knocked him down or you caught him on a takedown, you know, it didn't really bother it, it. It wouldn't bother him because that's his bread and butter. That's, that was, that's the case with, that was the case with a lot of strikers, you know, that, that was the case with a lot of strikers. Well, not, a, I'm sorry, not strikers, but that was the case with a lot of grapplers. You know, if you go back to like the early 2000s, you know, like I said, you look at the Diaz brothers, you look at uh, Ricardo Rona, who's a, who's another fighter who, you know, very wild, aggressive striking, but didn't really care. But, you know, but, in, but even though, yes, he, he was wild and aggressive, he made up for it by having an impeccable ground game, which is why he could get away with it. Because if you knocked him down, he would just, he would use that opportunity to recover because he knew no one was going to go around. So, you know, um, yeah, Stokes, uh, that, but, and, but that was like the case, as I was saying with, um, Ricardo Arona, who was exactly like that. A guy, one of those jujitsu guys who was just a very wild, aggressive striker, but he made up for it by having a really good ground game. So he wasn't afraid to go to the ground. You know, he, he wasn't afraid to go to the ground, which is why he gave guys a lot of difficult, he was a difficult person to beat. Cause it was like, you either had to deal with his wildness or you had to take it to the ground, but he didn't care. So if he were knocked down, it would, and guys wouldn't go to the floor with him. It allowed him to recover. You know, we saw that with uh, Charles Oliveira, who was also similar strategy, you know, didn't would get aggressive, aggressive, come forward didn't care if you knock him down because he knows you're not going to go to the ground with him. So he'll use it as an opportunity to recover, you know? And so that's what in retrospect people expected out of patchy mix, which is why some people gave, which even I gave Stokes the, the advantage because of the fact that he was the better striker and he can use his wrestling to keep it on the feet or to keep it on the feet on if you or control, you know, or control um, patchy mix on the ground, you know, take him down and like control him on the ground, you know, so, you know, and then take him down and like control him on the ground. That's what that was kind of like the consensus in a way, you know, maybe or just keep it on the feet. Like that was kind of the idea in a way, which, you know, that's what I thought, too. But that's not what happened at all. You know, Patchy Mix just walked him down. And as soon as he got into the range, threw a nice lead knee that knocked Stokes out cold, put him flat on his back. And it was, it was a very clean knee. You know, it, it was like a, it was pretty much, it was like a typical Thai lead knee where the hands are high and then they pull down the head as they throw the knee. So you collide with it, you know, and, you know, of course Stokes doing what he, you know, of course Stokes doing what he, you know, doing, doing what he does where he likes to kind of lean to the side and throw that straight left it was in perfect it was like in perfect perfect range for it and just it was a beautiful just it, it was a it was beautiful just you know it was beautiful 
you know, caught him with the knee, put him on his back. That's all she wrote. So that, that's all she wrote. So Patchy Mix is the Bellator Grand Prix Bantamweight champion and is the interim Bantamweight champion because apparently Sergio Pettis, who's been out for a while now, is going to fight um, Patricio Pitbull, who wants to be a three division champion, which is kind of weird, which is which I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't which is weird. I mean, let, let's face it. He he doesn't want to fight Magomedov. He he doesn't want to fight Magomedov or was he doesn't want to fight Usman Magomedov and he definitely doesn't want to fight AJ McKee because he knows that those guys, you know, pretty much have a style that give him problems, you know, very kicking heavy, very just you know, like very very kick heavy, very um you know, very a uh, lot of movement, a lot of angles and just lot of movement a lot of angles and then if, if it gets into an inside throw an elbow throw a knee you know or in AJ McKee's case start attacking the neck so it's a very it's pretty much just mainly kicks and angles kicks and angles I don't know why I overcomplicated it but that's pretty much what you know Usman Magomedov and AJ McKee showed is you just throw a lot of kicks and you cut angles and it's kind of similar it's kind of weird because that's the same blueprint. It's kind of weird because that same style is the same style that Paulo Costa used. And that blueprint, it, it's, you know, and that, and it was, and of course, the same thing happened to him with Adesanya. Adesanya just threw a lot of kicks, cut a lot of angles, and Paulo Costa just, <laughs> you know, we all know how that fight went. And, you know, same thing with Henry Cejudo and Mighty Mouse Johnson, you know, kept circling, caught a lot of kicks, cut a lot of angles, of course. He didn't get the better of that fight, but it seems to be kind of like a trend. You know, there seems to be a specific style that comes out of the Henry Cejudo camp. You know, um, kind of like a Henry Cejudo camp, you know, it seems like, you know, just kind of hang back in the cut and, you know, kind of hang back in the cut and the bladed stance and wait for the count, wait to counter punch, which is what, you know, the Pitbull brothers do, or especially Patricio. But either way, I mean, we'll see how that goes. I mean, you know, he's going to try to make weight at 135. He's a very... He's a very bulky guy, you know, he's a very bulky guy, very muscular, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm pretty sure the reason, I'm pretty sure he makes 145 easy because he probably doesn't have to cut much. He's probably an in-betweener. Like he, he, he looks like an in-betweener, you know, and, and there are short stocky guys who, there's a lot of guys who are like that. Actually, they're just in-betweeners. They can fight in both weight classes because they walk around a weight that allows them to go in between weight classes. So Patrici, Patriki, I mean, so I don't know, I don't know how Patricio is going to do, you know, I don't know if his power, his reflexes, his you know, who knows how that, because that's a big jump, you know, like I said, he's a short, stocky guy, I mean, the, the, I'm pretty sure cutting weight is a lot harder for him than guys who are more leaner, so, but we'll see, you know, but until then, you know, Patricky is, I mean, um, Patchy Mix is the guy, he's the, he's the one, he's the guy on the top, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully he fights the champ, Sergio Pettis, for the belt, um, Hopefully he doesn't end up like being a Daniel Cormier situation where 
Daniel Cormier ended up being the tournament winner, but they ended up giving him the belt and any, but they ended up giving him the belt and declaring him the champ because, you know, because Alistair Overeem had vacated the title and went, you know, had vacated the title and went to the UFC. And because, you know, Fabrizio Fortuna also had gone, you know, the, there was really no one there. And that was the whole point of the tournament to determine who the Strike Force heavyweight champion is. You know, that was the whole per that was the whole premise. And with the champ gone, you know, with the champ gone, you know, the winner of the tournament ended up being declared the heavyweight champ, not just the Grand Prix champ. That's why you see pictures of DC with two belts. You know, so which is funny how people still say he's the Grand Prix champion, even though he did technically become the champion. So this isn't the first time this has happened, you know, before, you know, it happened under Scott Coker's <laughs> under Scott Coker. So, I mean, and I'm pretty sure it won't be the last. I'm glad I like tournaments. I love tournaments. I would prefer them being like one night tournaments, you know, there's some smaller promotions that do that. I know Invicta has done it a couple times. So, but either way, it is what it is. So, but, uh, yeah, Apache mix. I'm a fan. That guy's one of the best 135ers in the world. And, you know, and I'm saying that as MMA as a whole, not like, you know, UFC standards, you know, but, um, yeah, Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. <laughs> Oh, this fight is one of those fights that, oh my God. <laughs> um, to sum up this fight, it's very simple. Skills pay the bills. And Ryan Garcia was bigger. He was faster, um, probably stronger. But, you know, maybe he had hit hard or had the same equal amount of power. Either way. But it didn't matter because Gervonta Davis was skilled. He was better. He was the better boxer. And because of that, he was able to knock Ryan Garcia down, not once, but twice. The first one with a headshot, and then the second one with a body shot. And the body shot was all she wrote. I mean, a lot of people are saying that Ryan Garcia quit, which I can definitely see why. Because there's a moment during the 10 count. When it got to round seven, Ryan Garcia looked up at the ref. He, be, it, he began to make a gesture like as if he was going to stand up, but then shook his head. No, that right there. And that is a big indicator of he quit. You know, now don't get me wrong. I know body shots like can take a guy down, can really put somebody down. But the thing is, is when somebody gets caught with a body shot, 90% of the time they are they are cuddled, they are literally curled up into a ball, they're like huddled in the fetal position, or they're like Oscar, they're just sitting there beating the ground because the body shot hurts so much, Ryan didn't necessarily do that, he kind of looked to the ground, and then he stood up, then he started sitting upright, and then tried to get up, and then looked like he was gonna try to get up, but then immediately sat back down, he didn't want none of it, and Sean Porter said something very interesting, you know, in this fight, that you know, fear will make a man do anything. Fear can make a man do anything. And that is 100% true. Ryan Garcia didn't stay down from the body shot. He stayed down because of fear. He stayed down because he knew 
that he got in there with a with a real dog, with a real killer, with somebody who, you know, somebody who can, you know, he he got in there with somebody who was about that life, and that's just it, you know, and and that's and that's and you know, and I remember Tank was talking about that. He's like, you have a lot of guys out there who think, you know, they're about that life. They think they're all that, but they're really not. You know, they, they're really not. And they think they're tough until they get in with somebody who really is, who really is tough. And that's true. You know, that, that, that's true. And the same thing goes in MMA and the same thing goes in just combat sports in general. You know, it's like, there's been so many occasions of guys getting into the ring, thinking they're the shit and they get into somebody who is the real fucking deal. And when they get a taste of that, their demeanor changes. They're not the same guy. You know, we saw that with Roy McDonald, you know, Robbie Lawler, Sugar Sean, when he fought Chito Vera and Peter Yan, you know, he, when he got in a fight with those guys, despite whatever you think, the re- despite the results of those fights, you can tell, you, you, do you really think he's clamoring to fight Peter Yan? No, because he got in a fight with somebody who was the real fucking deal and he didn't want to touch that. You know, he... He didn't want to. He didn't want to touch that again. Hence, why he'll avoid that fight. But the point being is, is you know, there are guys out there who are who are just real dogs, and you don't want to wake them up. You know, you don't want to wake them up. As as Jorge Masvidal said when, you know, in his interview after knocking out Ben Askren, he said, "There are some bad dudes out there. You don't want to wake them up." And Ryan Garcia woke up a bad dude. I mean. And and to give you an idea of how much of a bad dude Tank Davis is, let's be real here. <laughs> During the walkouts, he had Chief Keith performing out his walkout song. Chief Keith wanted to perform a different song, wanted to perform a certain song. And Tank Davis last minute told him, no, I want you to perform this song. Because if you perform that song, I'm going to beat him down a lot worse than what he'll get if you play this song. Then I'm, I'm gonna beat him down a lot worse than what he'll get when you play this song. And when somebody when somebody says that, <laughs> that right there tells you this dude's a bad motherfucker. You better <laughs> this dude's a bad motherfucker. And you know it wouldn't hurt to wave the white flag early. Um, I mean Ryan, you know, looking at his training camps, looking at his videos and training videos, it was very clear. He was working on all his physicality. He wasn't really working on the skill. Um, I doubt he was working with any of his trainers. You know, he hired a very famous trainer. Um, he hired a very famous trainer. I forget his name, but same thing. You know, he but but it didn't look like he really was working with them. And and when listening to the corner, you can tell that he was not working with this very famous trainer. I, I forget his name. You'll hear him in the videos that I'll play coming up, but he just didn't, he just, you can tell that, you you can always tell when a fighter is has been actually working with their coach just by listening, just by, just by listening to what they say and just listening, just, li- just listening to what they say and how they say it. You know, is like and what they say and how they say, it. and you can tell just by and you and you can tell this trainer, and you can tell this trainer did not, you, you did not know what to. You can tell this trainer seemed very um, 
I don't know. I wouldn't say frustrated, but you can tell that this trainer had, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know what to say. You know, you can tell he looked befuddled because, you know, Ryan Garcia wasn't training. He wasn't training. He wasn't working with, he wasn't working with them. He wasn't taking in his advice. And, you know, he even said, he said, you don't train Ryan Garcia. You partner with him. Ryan Garcia trains himself and does whatever he wants. I mean, Eddie Reynoso's talked about this. You know, he comes in for a little bit. He leaves 15 minutes later. You know, he doesn't train. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's no surprise. And, you know, and once again, and it's kind of a problem with a lot of the new age boxers. A lot of these new age boxers work on their speed and explosiveness. They don't really work on their skills. Hence why, you know, they get in there with a really skilled individual and they lose a close fight or they get knocked out or you know, it's it's because skills pay the bills. But overall, it was just, I mean, you know, when you listen to the corner of Ryan Garcia, you can tell that the corner just didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to tell him because Ryan Garcia hadn't been trained with him. You know, it's it's one thing if a corner comes in with a game plan and you hear them giving advice, you know, and giving them advice and they sound very confident. They sound like they, you know, they know what to do. But when a corner is sitting there going, uh... Uh, let's see, keep doing what you're doing, you know, going, uh, like just when you listen to his corner, like, don't get me wrong, his corner, you know, the guy that was in his corner was very calm. He has a very calm demeanor, but you can tell just by what he was saying and just by how he was saying it, the, the, just by how he was saying it, you can tell he didn't know what advice to give to Ryan Garcia, and that's because Ryan Garcia didn't work with him, you know, and I remember Teddy Alice, he had a good rant about this, but that's pretty much to sum up this fight, you know, the lesson, the two lessons of, there, there's a lot of lessons that this fight shows, and, you know, and it's skills pay the bills, you know, skills pay the bills, it's best to let sleeping dogs lie, and fear will make a man do anything, so, yeah, it was, Damn, it was a hell of a fight. And, I mean, where do they go from there? I mean, everybody keeps saying, using the excuse of, oh, Ryan, excuse me, Ryan Garcia's 24. He'll grow from this. Look, when a guy is already showing early bad habits and is not making the changes now to fix them, there's he's not going to go very far. Like, people, like, I'm tired of people using the excuse of, oh, he's still young. He has a, he's still young. He has a lot to learn and blah, 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 blah. It's like, look, if they if they have if they haven't made any of the corrective changes now, then there's no guarantee that they're going to do it in the future. Like you have to see it from the beginning. If you're not seeing it from the beginning, then there's a good chance it's never going to happen or never happen. You know, so so that's pretty much it. And it, it's kind of like with the with the Rosas guy from the UFC. It's like everyone kept saying like, oh, you know, he'll grow and learn from this. Okay. And <laughs> that doesn't mean shit. <laughs> you know, he'll grow and like, it doesn't mean shit. Like he, like he already, like he already showed he's not ready for this game. So why the fuck are you trying to give him this false sense of confidence that he'll somehow be ready? Just he'll be ready all of a sudden. No, like it, it doesn't work like that. And it's the same to said with Ryan Garcia. Like, it's not something, it's the same said with Ryan Garcia. Like, 
He's not just going to all of a sudden learn and grow from this, like especially when he's already shown signs that he has no desire to really learn and grow from this and he's stuck in his ways, you know? Uh, could he? It's possible, but it's not probable. That's the thing. Like there's a difference between probability and possibility. Just because it's possible doesn't mean it's probable. And if it's more or if it's and if it's more or less if it's more or less probable then the possibility doesn't mean shit. And that's pretty much the gist of it. You can't use the whole, oh, he's a young fighter, he'll learn and grow from this as an excuse to as an excuse to to just, you know, like you can't just use that as an excuse every time a young fighter gets their ass whooped. Okay, like look, the guy ain't ready for this shit. Okay, he bit more than he can chew. Simple as that. He ain't ready for this. He bit more he can chew. He bit more I'm sorry. He bit more than he can chew. He's not ready for this. Just accept it. Okay? Stop giving this guy excuses. Okay, he he got he, simple as that. So, um, but yeah, that's that's all in all I got to say about that. In the fight overall, or kind of what I said beforehand, I saw him in training one day, and it looked as though he was training to stalk. And I said, if you stalk Tank, and you don't have a, you're not known for having a granite chin, why would you stalk a puncher? Tank is a boxer puncher. His punches probably just a tad bit better than his boxing, but his boxing ain't bad either. But so he's a boxer puncher. And this really negotiable which one he's best at right now. So that being said, why would you stalk a guy who you know can punch like a bulldog? If you stalk him, then quite naturally what's gonna happen is just what I said. He gonna catch you instead of you catching him. And the fight just be within six to nine rounds, he'll get you out. Mm-hmm. You're fighting the wrong fight. He fought the wrong fight and that's what happened. What's next for Ryan? I'm not really sure. Probably go back up to 140 and see how he feels, but um, you know, it's it's a tough thing for him. He'll have to go to uh, go to school and study some guys who knew how to negate boxing, even though they've been knocked down a few times. Uh, Tito Trinidad did it. Uh, Andre Ward, the master, at it. Uh, you got to be able to negate, negotiate with how you gonna fight because when a guy's been down early, then everybody know he's susceptible to go down. But you didn't see Andre go down in the minute of the big fight with the exception of Kovalev because. He knew what he could and what he could not do with risk. He didn't risk not to take because he understood who he was. If you don't understand who you are, then you have a problem. Ryan to go out and stop tank means that Ryan means that Ryan really not being true with who he is, or maybe somebody gave him the wrong game plan. I don't know, it's hard to say so. What's next for him? I'm not really sure, but it's gonna be tough for him doing everything now because now everybody will just go out and try to get to his chin. Well, for me, who do I want to see Tank fight next? Next, For me, a great fight for Tank would be the one of the Lomachenko-Devin um, Haney fight because that fight is another fight of two good fighters, one with no losses, one with maybe two losses or three losses, but the losses he got aren't like losses where he got destroyed or got beat up bad or got knocked out. He got legitimate losses that, like, I mean, to Tiafimo and, matter of fact, Tiff him when I forget the other guy, but then maybe the only two he got. And he never lost to a fighter that really didn't come in the ring heavier than him. So that would be a very interesting fight to see him fight one of that fight cause 
we don't know who gonna win that fight yet, but because Devin will come in the ring heavier than him, so we don't know. But uh, they they also know each other because I'm sure Tank and uh, Haney have sparred, so they know each other. Him and Loma don't. But the thing about Loma is when he tried to fight, to fight Tank back in the day, uh, Floyd wasn't ready for Tank to take that step up yet, so it didn't happen. So in Loma's mind, he probably think he's better than Tank. But Tank has matured very well as a fighter. And I think that'd be a great fight too. So either one of whoever wins the Loma Haney fight, I think it's a big payday with Javante Davis. And then after that, of course, the one of that fight, you gotta give Shakur Stevenson a shot. So there it is. I uh, know, do I think the rehydration cause played a factor cause played a factor in the outcome? No, I do not. Um, they both seem pretty good at that point. And um, you know, this is what people fail to realize. Even back in my day, and I don't like to refer to myself, I'm just telling you how it happened. When they made me weigh in the day of the fight when I fought Bernard the first time, I weighed in at 159 and a half at 9 o'clock in the morning. At 6 o'clock that night, I was running at 79 and a half. That's 20 pounds. So if they made him weigh in that morning after the weigh in, he could not be over 146, but he had that whole day to still get up to whatever he wanted to get up to. I did it in one day. So I'm pretty sure if he wanted to rehydrate up more, he could have. So I don't think it played a factor. And the fact that he gave into a body shot kind of tells you that rehydration definitely was not a factor. The reason I think giving into a body shot has nothing to do with the rehydration is because the rehydration process, if you can't get up to where you want to be at, you're going to be slow, you're going to be lethargic, um, you're not going to have as much energy because your body feel like it didn't get everything it needed to get back to the form to be able to do what you had to do. He was not slow. He was not lethargic. He had great energy. And people think, a lot of people think he didn't get hit with a good shot. Not true, and I'm gonna tell you why. Two things, you know I'm boxing right away. This is how I do it right away. He caught him when he was throwing a punch. That's the worst time to get hit is right after you throw a punch. He hit him, and as soon as he made contact, that arm snatched down. That's not nothing you think to do. That's a reaction to I'm hurt. Then he immediately took off that way. When you take off that way, I'm like, uncle, now you take off that way? Yeah, now we getting somewhere. Well, right away when that happened, you see him take and say, whoa, cause take, you saw his lips. You don't realize, what, I don't know if he said, whoa, what is it? But you saw his lips say something to that degree. But in boxing, that's what happens. So when I see guys back up, I be like, ah, 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 come on, where you going, where you going, where you going? Cause that's what a good body shot does to you. So when you see him snatch that arm down and take us north, I mean, take us south, Something has happened really, really bad. He did all those things. So if you don't know boxing, you may not know that. But it's evident from both sides that the body shot hurt because Tank knew it right away. So did Ryan. Ryan knew it a step before Tank, but they both knew it right away. Is Tank the current face of boxing? I can't necessarily say he's the face of boxing because that would be taken away from the Canelo Alvarez of the world and the Tyson Furies of the world and the uh, Usyk's of the world and the B-Balls of the world and the Devin Haynes and Lomachenko's of the world. I mean, there's a lot of real, really good faces in boxing right now, so I can't say he's the face, but I do tell you this. He's definitely one of the top five pound-for-pound boxers fighting right now. And people don't want to give him that credit, but it's a fact. He showed something, just like I told people, Devin Haney showed me something when he went all the way to Australia and beat this man in front of a crowd of 50,000 twice, and he's only 23 years old. 
that speaks volume. Well, Tank showed me something in this fight again, which I already showed, I said, and to be honest, I already knew it, but just to see him do it again made me feel good because I understand, right? He took the guy out there. He got adjusted to what the guy was doing. Took him a round or two to let him get comfortable with it. Once he realized what it was, bam, he shot him. When he shot him, he failed. So now you got him on your game plan. And after that, he moved around a little bit more. Let the fire die down because we know Ryan is sharp earth. And I spoke about Ryan being sharp earth. So he was smart. He didn't engage in no exchanges. He didn't give Ryan nothing early. Because if you think about what I said last week before the fight, I said, if he can withstand not getting damaged early, he'll be fine late. He didn't take no punishment early. He didn't have no cuts. He didn't have no bruises. He didn't have nothing. Because Ryan really fought totally different than I would have expected him until I saw that, that video of him working out. Then I realized he had the wrong game plan. Now, I didn't know if it was for show or if it was for real. But apparently it was for real because he fought just like he looked like he was fighting in the video. And that's what happened. So, ultimately, no, he's not necessarily the face, but he is a real good face in the box right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very simple. Like, people keep, keep saying, you know, the, the hydration clause played a factor with him getting dropped. It, it didn't, you know. He was, he put on, I mean, it didn't. You know, he was moving. He was, he had pops in his, he had a lot of pop in his shots. He wasn't lethargic. He showed no signs of being frail. And more importantly, I mean, he wasn't asked to cut a lot. It was within a five to 10 pound range, which is not bad. Like I said, and he didn't look bad on the scale either. So for people trying to say the hydration clause was a big deal, no, it wasn't. And yeah, Roy was, Roy absolutely on point. I mean, he had the whole day to gain all that weight. All right, all that weight. He had all day to gain all that weight after weighing in that morning. So he didn't have, so that's just, it's just an excuse. It, it's really just like a BS excuse. He got beat by the better boxer. Simple as that. Stop sending super chats because I, I got a few things that I need Ooh, to. No, 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 no. Keep sending super chats. What? This is the worst. Wrong with it. Man. I need the time. No, 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 no. We'll address it at the end. Okay, we'll take a moment and we're gonna we're gonna do our thing for 30 minutes and we'll get back to super chat. Keep sending in uh questions in. We'll take we'll yeah. take care of the end. Is, is, that, the, is that a commercial break? We can go to what? it. I'm never yeah, we, we need two. 10 minutes. We, we got we need to cut. Who the hell says we ain't stop talking about money? the knockout? Who says stop getting money? We ain't talked about the knockout. They ran off by every single the people that ain't paying, that's what they waiting on. Uh, they talk well, about hey, the knockout. Hey, hey, you the people that Both the super chats. Talk about the knockout. Right, go. Right. So the fight got excited. <laughs> this the ain't even my podcast. Thank you. Right. So, yes, here. so you? what you gonna do? I'm gonna answer the questions because I don't want to get kicked off the stage because you know you just getting different. So so shout out to uh yelling at me. Yeah, <laughs> the loss is damn mine. He thought he was back in the ring. Come on, go. All right, so second, <laughs> we thought the fight was gonna take a while to heat up. Second round, counter punch. All credit to Ryan Garcia. I didn't see you getting up. Yeah. I thought that was curtains. Yeah. He took a hell of a counter shot and got up Love. so fast. Because it, it was a flash. Yeah, you got, yeah, Sean, no, you get hit, but it don't hurt. I don't know, but that was a you shot. Don't, it don't hurt, right, Sean? That was a shot. That was, I think it didn't I, hurt. I do. So I have a theory about knockouts, number one. But the other side of this is I just think that 
even though it was the perfect punch, perfect time and all that, it may it, it may just not have been B1. It wasn't. It was a it just, flash. It, w- it just wasn't B1. It just it just it but hit the, the nerve. other side of that, and for anyone talking about the rehi- the 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 rehydration clause and 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 the weight limit all together and all those types of things, the young man was in shape. Oh, he was ready to go. The young he man was ready. He the way he recovered from that, direct to your conditioning. It didn't seem like it did nothing to him. Direct to your Bloody conditioning. Nose. Yep. Direct to to his conditioning. So that that you know that answers everything. You know, yeah. and and as soon as I saw him get up. The way that he got up, he was like, "This is gonna be a long like, night." No, I just said he's ready for this this fight. He's physically ready for this fight. And then know? I think third, fourth round, I said, he can't, "He's not experienced enough to deal with this boy." Well, what? Tell you something. I start seeing Tank pulling away and just laughing at him. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's too easy. Yeah, but you can see after a while too. I mean, he was. He, it, you know, like someone you just try to fight it off. <laughs> you ain't throwing no, ain't no leverage, nowhere on his punches. Yeah, it looked like he was punching with two hands at one time. And bro. again, I just had a problem with game plan and preparation for a softball. I never saw him make any, um, any of the moves that we are all taught at young ages when it when when it comes to going up against a softball. What I mean by that is like I know you guys have probably heard so many times the foot. And the angle that you get when that foot is on the outside, whoever's got oh, the yeah. foot on the outside, they've got the best angle to land their power punch. punch. That's a fact. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I never yeah. saw that. I never saw him double up on the jab and bring a right hand. I mean, that's probably the most basic uh, 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 orthodox combination against the southpaw. Mm-hmm. I never saw a one, two, three. The probably might be even more basic than the double jab in the right hand. I mean, you got a double jab, right hand, and left hook. You got a jab to head, jab to the body, bring up with the right hand. Left. You got so many different combinations that you can throw. And I hate that people always say, man, I hate fighting southpaws. No, you just need to know how to fight them. Yeah. And if you started when this kid started, you should know by now. And then if you don't know by now, you should have a coach in your corner that can say, hey, this is what we're going to do. But then these are the basic things that if anything, you in trouble or you just want to get something off to make him look at anything. These are specific things that you can do. And I never saw that in this fight. And it's just like uh, the experience. You can see it. But uh, yeah, I'll, I thought Joe Goosen would take him down and break him back down to the basic yeah. and build little things like that. Yeah, and I, but, I, don't, I, I hope it doesn't seem like I'm taking shots. At anybody, I just, you know, I just... We're talking about the fight. When you get to this level, you know, and I know I definitely want to get there before we get back to the Super Chats, we talk about the level, you know what I mean? So the last thing is the the body shot itself. You called it. What was it that made you... What were you, like, two rounds in when you sent that text message? I was about... No, no, no. That was two days prior. He said... To the fight. But he said the fifth round, right? I I, I bet the fourth round. Right. But I... But I... It... He, I said the fifth round. You believe what you said? And then he said the fourth round. Ah. So I said, you know what? He called the wrong guy. Hey, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking to somebody with experience to lose that. But I'm going on my mind. So I said, you know what? Let me go with Zab because Zab said it. So I called Zab. I said, bro, I bet the fourth round. He was like, yo, watch. I said, all right, cool. But what made me think of the liver shot is because I'm like, he's tall. I yeah. said, he going to get inside, yeah. he going to work that body. Yeah. And I said, he going to break him down. I said, what are you going to do? I said, watch this. He going to get inside, and he going to stop him. with. A, he going to hit him in that liver. And you know that, that stinger. And the way he fell. Was that a bootleg picture? 
No. Or was that V1? That was the one. That the was one it. that just came up. It was uh, the, the body shot that That was delivered. Was that V1? That wasn't V1. That See? wasn't the one? I know my stuff. I, 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 you good. I don't know my but stuff. I just glanced at it. I didn't look at it. But, but here, but, and I can talk oh, about this, too. But, but, but well, as y'all saying this, when he took that shot to the head, his defense was all, he's worried about his head. Mm -hmm. Tank starts stabbing to the body, tried to get him to drop his defense. Tank, Ryan wasn't having it all yeah, night. Yeah, so right. That's set up. That's also set up the body shot. Yes, sir. But to this punch right here, number one, it's not a punch that 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 was more of a straight left hand. It wasn't the 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 hook, the was, left hook that caught. Oh, right, it looked that like that caught it. Ryan. I got you. But the difference between this punch and the punch that caught him and brought him down, put him down for anybody that's saying he threw the fight or he quit or anything like that. Nah, he was releasing a shot and getting hit while releasing a shot. Exactly. And so it's like he left himself. Number one, he left himself open okay. for the punch, but he's loose. His, his core is loose because he's tied up here throwing his shot. So this is loose on top of bring it in. And you coming in, you want to meet that. That impact. force of coming in and the impact of the, him bringing that, it was a real shot. Oh, yes. So yeah. number one, for anybody that felt like that, that Ryan quit, that was a real shot. But then let's talk about that part. What, what? When he go, when, 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 so you guys can, you guys can rewatch re it if you want to. What happens is the punch lands, mm -hmm. and Ryan takes one step back. Tank is looking. As Ryan is taking that step, that second step back, Tank is now recognizing that he's hurt. Yes. So once he's on his second step back, oh. Tank is like, I'm, I'm coming uh, for you. And also smiling, by the way. Oh, I'm feeling it. And also man. smiling, oh, by the way. Oh, I know you felt that. And that's what, that, that communication right there was like, oh, let me go down on knee because I'm hurt. So okay, cool. You hurt. Go down on the knee. Go ahead. I tweeted yesterday, last night. Fear will prevent a man from doing almost anything. So he goes down on the that's knee. That's 100. That's life. So he goes. That's life, y'all. So for anybody talking about Ryan quit, listen. That's life. So he goes down on the knee, and he's got eight to ten seconds to think about what's going on. And y'all saw him pick his head up because he he knows I'm a fighter. I'm going to get up. But I've never been here before. Never been hurt. That kid smiled at me. He's coming for me. Fear prevented him from getting up. It's interesting you say that, man. Because a lot of times people ask me to talk to people in wheelchairs, such as myself sure. in the wheelchair. They don't they be afraid. Mm -hmm. They don't want they the fear is what stops them from doing the things that they need to do. It's the fear. And I just so I talked to them. I then I talked to the families. I said, listen, it, it, it starts in the chest. Yeah. You gotta have the heart, you gotta have the determination to go. Like you said, bro. If it's the fear, it's, he ain't got no minutes in the ring, period. Because you got to be ready to die for this thing. You know it. Go, mm. The thing about it is going out on your shield. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. There's a lot of things that I learned that I wasn't able to do. Why? Because I took it head on. Yeah. But if I never did it, then I would have been like that. You know, in my mind, stuck. Like, you know what? I would always thought about what if. Yeah. Now he's probably home thinking, what if I got off that floor? Then what if? 
probably home thinking, what if I got Now he's probably home thinking, what if I got off that floor? Then what if? What if I got up off that floor? You you should have got off that floor. You should have got up that Because they asked me last night. I was sitting with the zone, and it was cool to sit with those guys because it was like I got a chance to kind of commentate. They kept, it was standing right there, and they were asking because it was like I got a chance to kind of, you know, get it all out, you know, and, and commentate the fight. Yo, let me tell you something. But they said. <laughs> yeah, I would have got up and ran all around that ring. <laughs> just kept, keep running, boy. Hey, remember when uh, just Keith, run. Keith yeah. Thurman? Just Pacquiao, yeah, keep ooh, running. Ooh, ooh, this don't look too good. But then it's again, same, don't same. judge another man's pain. Yeah. Who knows? Hey, what, that's true, too. Hey, who knows what a man can take? But they asked me. They said, what? they was like, yo, what happened? Why didn't you? I looked down and said, fear. They said, what do you mean? I said, it's not, I, that, I he's, it's not that. that he's scared of boxing. It's not no. that he's, it's not even that he's scared of tank. No. The fear of the what if. I got up off this. What if I get up and he comes after me and I, he couldn't even get past the what if. I can't even breathe right now. So is there a difference between, because a lot of people saying he quit. Is there a difference between quit and fear? Fear will make you quit, obviously. You know? It'll make you quit. Yeah. Fear and, and, you know, not to get off of the philosophical, but fear is not always a bad thing. Um, no, and and then also you know what? Just to kind of defend Ryan just a little bit, um, he really wasn't exposed for the second words last night. Yeah, he went down in the second round, got right back up. Um, there, we really didn't see any holes for the second words in his boxing game, outside of him being able to outthink another man. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I have to maybe I, some small holes, but nothing major. Nothing major, but nothing I, major. I just started know? seeing a lot of arm punches. Yeah, because I mean, he just—it was now you just fighting them, fighting them off you. Yeah, not fighting him. You're yeah. fighting him off you now, like yeah. you just you your whole is in defense. I, you know, that's how, that's what I was seeing. How many subscriptions are you paying for? Rocket Money finds sneaky or. Yeah, I disagree with that. I think um, he got exposed. He's a one-trick pony, all style, no substance, you know, and, you know, Tank exposed him for that. You know, a lot of people, I think people are trying to say, I understand where he's coming from, you know, Sean Porter, but the truth of the matter is he, he got exposed, you know. He didn't show any adaptability, any IQ, any ring generalship, and um, that was it, you know. He's definitely, he was definitely fast. He definitely hits hard. But he has no skill, and that and it and it showed. Go after. I think that he caught him something, and he and he just thought, okay, I can end it right here. And he and he went away from his discipline. If he had that discipline, if his camp did have that, because they didn't show me that they had the right play. Because Ryan showed me, uh, um, Tank showed me that him and his team had a good plan. They had a good strategic plan. I didn't see that for the most part except the first round, but I didn't see it beyond that. So I don't know how much faith to put in it. I didn't see that from his camp or from his perspective. But from the Tank camp and the Tank perspective, I saw a good battle plan, and they stuck to it. Uh, uh, he... You know, he had to use the jab. Everyone talked about the jab of Garcia, but Tank had to use his jab too. So he didn't get dominated in that area. So he could stabilize Garcia a little bit. So he had to use his jab. He couldn't reach in, so he didn't reach in. He had to try to draw. I, 
in, in our fight plan, which got a hell of a lot of views, and in the last week's episode, which got a hell of a lot of views, I talked about there's two ways for Tank, for any shorter man to get to the taller man. One is the traditional way. Go get him. Work your way in. The other way is to get him to come to you. And in the second round, that happened, to lay traps, to step back, give up ground a little bit. Now, he got forced into that situation, Tank, when he got buzzed a little bit. But where he gets tremendous credit from Teddy Atlas is how he kept his cool, how he kept his mind, how he kept his composure, how he stayed calm in an uncalm environment. And even while he was surviving, he was grabbing, he was doing whatever he had to do, you know, to survive. Because he was trying to rough him up a little bit. What's good, YouTube? It's your boy, Blue Blood Sports TV, back at y'all with another one. So, Hall of Fame, well-renowned, iconic, world champion trainer, and colorful analyst and boxing pundit, and podcast host, Teddy Atlas, he absolutely goes in on the highly anticipated lightweight catchweight showdown that took place this past Saturday between undefeated three-division world champion superstar boxer Javante Tank Davis an undefeated lightweight junior welterweight Mexican superstar title contender, King Rod Ryan Garcia. This was a highly anticipated mega pay-per-view showdown, but it was more of a popularity contest because one fighter was far more inexperienced than the other fighter. A lot of potential. And that's because you had undefeated three-division champion who simultaneously held the WBA super title at super featherweight, regular title at lightweight and junior welterweight, Javante Tank Davis, who was a five-time world champion. He held the WBA super title at super featherweight, the IBF super title at super featherweight, and he's a three-division world champion, and he's been under the big lights for quite some time. Then you had another fighter in Ryan Garcia, who has a lot of potential, who has a huge brand that was built outside of the respective sport in the sport of boxing, uh, and so he was, you know, uh, inexperienced, but he has talent. He has potential, extremely fast hands, power in both hands. But there's, there's experience issues for uh, Ryan Garcia. He just lacks experience, okay? And he was going into this fight with well-renowned Hall of Fame iconic trainer in Joe Goosen. And you see him training here at Tang Goosen's gym in California. And Joe Goosen... Uh, you see Teddy Atlas feels like uh, Ryan Garcia was ill-prepared. He, was Ill, he wasn't equipped for this fight, okay? And he feels like the team of Ryan Garcia let Ryan Garcia down. Now, you had Joe Goosen who told the world after, you know, we heard about the reports and we heard about the rumors that Ryan Garcia, as you see Joe Goosen in the back, he's in the back. Okay, pay attention to that foot, that picture there. He's in the background, right? Uh, and Joe Goosen stated that you don't train Ryan Garcia. He trains himself, essentially. He has his own philosophy, his own way of doing things, and uh, you just partner up with him. But he praised him, saying that Ryan Garcia has such a, a high ring IQ. Uh, he has such a, he's like a coach uh, himself. He's like a trainer himself in the ring and in training and preparation and uh, looking at and breaking down his opponents in the fights. And he also stated that, you know, uh, Ryan Garcia was in the best shape of his life, uh, that he was going to shock the world and defeat Javante Tank Davis. 
And as the fight unfolded, and in the second round, you can see the inexperience of Ryan Garcia. You can see the mistakes and the bad habits presenting themselves. And you knew it was just a matter of time for a talent and a, and a student of the game and a fighter of Javante Tank Davis caliber, who was a southpaw, who has extremely high ring IQ, very accurate, very sharp with his punches, uh, makes great adjustments, understands, keeps cool, calm, and collective under pressure. He understands what's going on, understands every second, every inch of the squared circle. And Joe Goosen allowed his fighter to go into this fight, knowing he was ill-prepared for this fight. He wasn't equipped and wasn't ready for this fight, although he pushed for this fight. And so Joe Goosen has to take a lot of the blame because Joe Goosen should have knew and he should have pulled out. If the reports that Ryan Garcia was only showing up to Joe Goosen's gym three times a week for sparring, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and he wasn't committed, Joe Goosen should have pulled out of the fight. He should have stated and told Ryan Garcia, we're going into this fight with a very dangerous fighter, and if you want to do things on your own, my namesake is at stake as well, and I have to back off of this fight. I absolutely cannot go into this fight with you half uh, doing things in this fight. If you're going to, you know, uh, train and not give it your all and not commit 1,000%, and we're going to have, you know, uh, a partial training camp, I'm not doing this. I can't attach my name to it, is what Joe Goosen should have done. But instead, he praised Ryan Garcia. And then as soon as Ryan Garcia got dropped in the second round and then stopped in the seventh round, post-fight, Joe Goosen disappeared, okay, like he was the entire camp. And we knew that he wasn't showing up and wasn't training like he should, at least with Joe Goosen. We see him training with everybody but Joe Goosen. And so Joe Goosen should have backed out because Joe Goosen is the, you know, uh, the lead mind, okay, in this. He has the boxing mind. When it, Not to disrespect anybody in Ryan Garcia and Ryan Garcia's corner. But Joe Goosen is the man to, to help you prepare for the fights. And why bring him in as a figurehead? We heard this from a well-renowned two-time trainer of the year, future Hall of Famer, Eddie Reynoso, and four-division world champion, Mexican superstar boxer, who's currently the un, uh, undisputed super middleweight. They all uttered the same sentiments, that Ryan Garcia is not fully uh, committed to the sport of boxing. He told uh, uh, he told Eddie Reynoso he had come at 12, he'd show up at 2 and leave 15 minutes later. Uh, uh, we had Canelo Alvarez say that it's a shame that Ryan Garcia is wasting his talent. Ryan Garcia, he gave pushback to that, said it wasn't true, and that Canelo Alvarez was just simply not, was just being a hater, right? Or just backing Eddie Reynoso and never accepted him is what Ryan Garcia stated. But Eddie Reynoso said that Ryan Garcia just wasn't committed. And Ryan Garcia said, well, it was, it was Eddie Reynoso's fault because Eddie Reynoso didn't have time for him, right? So Canelo Alvarez wasn't accepting of that, and Canelo Alvarez bucked back, and he stated, you know, uh, that's simply not true. Ryan Garcia was the one that was half uh, doing things as far as training, and it's a shame because he lets his talents go to waste. So now we hear the same story and same reports coming from Joe Goosen, right? Now, Joe Goosen himself is not saying this. But then post-fight press conference after Ryan gets knocked out, Joe Goosen disappears, right? No, you, you praised him. You told the world that he was going to shock the world when you knew he wasn't ready. And if you knew he wasn't ready, you should have uh, disattached your name from this fight, point blank and period. But let's just finish listening to what Teddy Atlas had to say, shall we? For Red, you see everything. Where he when he was in, in that uh, seventh round when Garcia again, 
Again, he had no business being that close. It's a battle of geography, my friend. He had no business. And that's got to be drummed into his head in the gym. I'm sorry, in camp. It's got to be drummed into his head. Uh, you've been in camp with me. When I had fighters that were too close, that wasn't supposed to be close, I would jump in the ring. I would literally jump and stop. Jump in the ring in the middle of sparring, but but I'm doing good. No, you're not. You're not doing what you need to do. You might be doing good on the inside for the next 30 seconds, but 40 seconds from now, he's going to be doing good. You don't belong there. You're not going to win this fight fighting in there. Get on the freaking outside. And then I would let him start sparring again. Yeah, it's a tough business. Yeah, you got to do that sometimes. The consequences are awful unforgiving, awful tough. So, I don't do tough business. Yeah, you got to do that sometimes. The consequences are awful unforgiving, awful tough. So, I don't care if I got in there and bothered him. I bothered him on purpose to correct something right there when it had to be corrected. Because, and again, the guy might be doing good on the inside. I don't care. If our battle plan was to win the fight and know we had an advantage and a disadvantage on the inside and an advantage on the outside, I didn't let him do it. I didn't let him do it. I don't care if he was having success for a fleeting moment, a fleeting freaking moment. And that's what it was. Where, again, in the seventh down, he's in close. You don't belong there. You don't belong there. I don't care if you can win for 10 seconds. You don't belong there. And what happens? While he's there, he throws a punch. And when you throw a punch, you expose something. He exposed his body. He threw the right hand. The elbow came up. He exposed the body. Tank was in close proximity, which he wanted, which it shouldn't have been, but it was. It was good for Tank, bad for Garcia. And what's he do? He times him perfectly. So as you see, right, Teddy Atlas, he broke it down. He said that, you know, when it's his fighter in the gym, uh, uh, you're supposed to put your best foot forward. You're supposed to be more stern. Uh, you're supposed to demand a certain... Uh, uh, level of uh, um, success from your fighter. You're supposed to demand, you know, that your fighter, you know, um, do the right thing in the ring, right? And that, you know, he was allowed to get away with bad habits in the gym. Uh, and, and it showed up the night of the fight, point blank and period. And Teddy Atlas is 1,000% correct. Because, again, like I said, Joe Goosen knew uh, that Ryan Garcia wasn't committed. Ryan Garcia wasn't doing the right thing. And he allowed it to continue on. He allowed to go with the flow instead of detaching his name from the situation. He should have detached his name from the situation. And he should have stated, listen, you know what? Uh, uh, I can't do this. You're not prepared. You're not ready. And he te uh, Joe Goosen should have walked away. But he walked away after Ryan Garcia gets knocked out. That's distasteful. Uh, you know, it's irresponsible from Joe Goosen and a man in his position, his stature, to do that. Point blanket, period. But that's all I got for y'all. Make sure you hit the like button. Drop a comment in the comment section. Let me know what y'all think. Y'all already know what it is. It's your boy, Blue. Blue Blood Sports TV. YouTube, it's your boy, Blue Blood Sports TV. Back at y'all with another one. So, well-renowned, Hall of Fame, iconic trainer, Joe Goosen. He finally breaks his silence by not breaking his silence and let you know that he felt like and reiterated what he stated in a buildup for his fighter going into a massive pay-per-view lightweight showdown. That being lightweight, junior welterweight, superstar title contender, King Ryan, Ryan Garcia, who is now 23 wins, 
one loss, no draws, 19 wins by way of knockout, 24 years of age, 5'10", with a 70-inch arm each. Joe Goosen, ahead of this fight with Ryan Garcia as he was taking on Javante Tank Davis. Javante Tank Davis, superstar, three-division champion, simultaneously held the WBA super title at super featherweight, WBA regular title at lightweight and junior welterweight. Javante Tank Davis is now 29 wins, no losses, no draw, 27 big wins by way of knockout. He is 28 years of age, 5'5", five five, with a 67-inch arm each. Joe Goosen, the reason this is important is because Ryan Garcia in this fight, he was dropped in the second round. He was arguably losing every round from that point forward. And then he got dropped in the seventh round by a body shot, and he never recovered. And that was the loss, the first loss on his resume. Now, leading up into this fight, Joe Goosen, he explained that Ryan Garcia, well, he essentially trains himself. He said, you don't train Ryan Garcia. You essentially, you partner with Ryan Garcia, right? You're an assistant. Essentially, he is the head trainer, right? He makes his own game plan. He has his own way of doing things. He has his own viewpoints. And he has his own ideas of what should and shouldn't happen, right? And so Joe Goosen, post-fight, after Ryan Garcia was knocked out, yeah, well, Joe Goosen, he didn't find his way post-fight. And actually, we have to put out a APB on Joe Goosen because there is no sight of Joe Goosen. He disappeared when the fight was over, and we haven't seen Joe Goosen since. As you can see here, Ryan Garcia training in Joe Goosen, Tang Goosen gym. But we haven't seen Joe Goosen ever since. Joe Goosen wasn't in the picture for many of these uh, training videos and training sessions. And I told you guys I got word that Ryan Garcia was only showing up to Joe Goosen's gym three times a week, okay, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for his sparring sessions. Other than that, Ryan Garcia, he was training on his own. Now, he is training with his father, trainer, and manager, Henry Garcia, so that plays a major part. And he also has a gym in his house, so Ryan Garcia does things his own way. We know this because this is the same issues he had when he was over with another well-renowned future Hall of Fame two-time trainer of the year, and that is uh, Eddie Reynoso. He was training with Eddie Reynoso, who Eddie Reynoso is known, uh, his popularity, his familiarity with Eddie Reynoso is because he trained four-division world champion Mexican superstar Barca, who is now the current undisputed super middleweight world champion Saul Canelo Alvarez, who has a record of 58 wins, two losses, two draws, 39 big wins by way of knockout. He is 33 years of age, 5'8", with a 70-inch arm reach. So Canelo Alvarez and Eddie Reynoso, they stated that Ryan Garcia was not committed to the sport of boxing. Ryan Garcia would only show up when he felt it, when he felt the need to show up. And Ryan Garcia, uh, you know, would only 
he would then set tell uh, Eddie Reynoso he'll come at 12 and then don't show up to 2 and then leave 15 minutes later. So that's what um, Eddie Reynoso and Canelo Alvarez were stating when Ryan Garcia, he parted ways with Eddie Reynoso and Ryan Garcia said he left Ryan, uh, Eddie Reynoso in that camp simply because they just didn't have time. Eddie Reynoso didn't have time focusing on Canelo and he needed somebody to commit to him 100%. And so he went back to Joe Goosen, who trained him early in his career and through the, in the amateurs. And he went back to Joe Goosen. Well, Joe Goosen has zero to say about this. He absolutely disappeared. And that lets you know everything you need to know. That's confirmation that Ryan Garcia wasn't showing up to the gym. Does that mean Ryan Garcia wasn't training? No, Ryan Garcia was training. He was just training on his own with his own pad man and his own team. I thought that it was in bad taste, though, still on the part of Joe Goosen, who still showed up for the fight. If he, if he wasn't training with you and you couldn't control him and you didn't have much say-so, then you shouldn't have showed up at all. If you know his preparation wasn't proper, Joe Goosen was doing interviews saying how Ryan Garcia was the hardest trained, hardest working fighter he's ever been around. Ryan Garcia was the mastermind. He was saying that you can't you can't teach Ryan Garcia because he knows everything. Now I'm looking back and I'm wondering if he's saying that because he feels like Ryan Garcia was just not coachable. He was just not trainable, right? And so you just partner with him. You can't train him, right? So that's what I'm looking back and I'm seeing this. But Joe Goosen, he still was a part of the buildup. He still was a part of the fight. He still was very present and very visible. So when Ryan Garcia took a loss then you should have been visible and very vocal at that point as well. And afterwards, then you can make amends with Ryan Garcia and tell him, listen, I'm going my way, you go your way. Unless we're going to do things my way, I can't do this. So that's what Joe Goosen should have done. But Joe Goosen, he completely disappeared along with Ryan Garcia's managers, promoters, and everybody else, Oscar De La Hoya, Bernard Hopkins, everybody disappeared on Ryan Garcia. And this is an indication that, well, they didn't want Ryan Garcia to take this fight, and they didn't think he was prepared for this fight. Even Henry Garcia, his father, stated that he didn't think Ryan Garcia was prepared a few years ago when he was calling out Javante Tank Davis. He thought he was more mature and better prepared and better equipped to fight and compete with Javante Tank Davis. And Ryan Garcia, as I told you guys, the lack of experience, the mistakes that he makes, he just hasn't been here before. He has talent. He has fast hands. He has power in both hands. But at the end of the day, he has slow feet. He has to he has to understand how to utilize his distance and and understand timing. Okay? He misses timing. He opens up too wide. He gets overconfident in his hand speed and his power. And this right here, this is the results when you do something like that. Here, right there, bang. That's the result of practicing bad habits. Pra bad habits. Practicing bad habits, you're going to display it in the ring. It's muscle memory. It's subconscious. And so that's what happened with Ryan Garcia. He paid the price. There you have a missed left hook. He's going to come look at the distance. Look at the look at the position he's in. And he's going to open up again. For what? With another hook. Right? And he gets caught to the liver with a, a left hook to the liver by somebody who's shorter and more compact and have a high ring IQ. He didn't understand the distance. He didn't know what he was doing there. And he was he just he results back to just throwing tons and tons of hooks. 
Whenever, when all else fails, Ryan Garcia, he's going to throw tons and tons of hooks. He's not setting it up with a jab. He's just counting on his hand speed and his power. And ultimately, he pays the price, and he paid the price. He paid the price. He got hit with it by Javier Fortuna. He got hit with it by Luke Campbell and dropped by Luke Campbell. And he got dropped and stopped by Javante Tang Davis. So with that said, he just lacked the experience. He didn't listen. He wanted to make the biggest fight possible. He conceded to all their obligations, the catch weight, the rehydration clause, and ultimately he paid the price for it, point blank and period. And so with that said, Joe Goosen, he knows very well, okay, because I know people close to the situation that have told me that Joe Goosen has told them that Ryan Garcia does not show up to the gym. He don't show up to the gym. He comes when he wants to. He's not committed. The same thing that Canelo Alvarez and Eddie Reynoso have been saying that Ryan Garcia is not committed to the sport of boxing. Canelo Alvarez even attests to saying it's sad that, you know, uh, he's wasting his talent. That's what Canelo Alvarez stated. He said Ryan Garcia is wasting his talent and it's sad and it's hard to watch. He needs to commit to the sport of boxing. Yes, he has power. He has the left hook, right hooks, but he's just not committed to the sport of boxing. And ultimately it shows up on the night of the fight. It's just that he was more talented than everybody else in those other fights, so the cream didn't rise to the top. In this in this situation, the cream rose to the top, and uh, he paid the price against Javante Tank Davis. And we saw uh, the the reaction from Joe Goosen uh, with this situation that he had nothing to say. Silence speaks volumes. And Joe Goosen disappearing, he sees everything everybody's saying, and he's still saying staying silent because he knows Ryan Garcia never committed to him and to this training method and to his game plan. And hence the reason why Joe Goosen don't feel obligated, you know, to uh, um, speak up. But he should because in the buildup and the promotion and during the fight, he was present. So you're going to be present then, be present afterwards, period. But that's all I got for y'all. Drop a comment in the comment section. Let me know what y'all think. Follow me on Instagram at Blue Blood Sports TV. All one word. Y'all already know what it is, man. It's your boy Blue. Let me know what y'all think. Should Joe Goosen have spoken up? Should he have just disappeared from the very beginning? Should he part away from the beginning when he knew Ryan wasn't on board? Let me know what y'all think. Peace. Hi, my name is Heather. Yeah, I mean, pretty much says it in itself. I mean, if you don't. I mean, the pretty much with it itself. I mean, you can't you can't train somebody who doesn't want to listen. You know, if they don't want to listen, then there's no point in training them. Like, like I said, when you listen to the corner, the the advice he gave was very generic and just very just. It, it, it was just very bland and generic, typical. It was like typical advice that people would give when they don't have advice. And it was because, you know, Ryan Garcia didn't want to listen. You know, he trains himself. He doesn't, you know, you can. And like I said, the training videos was proof of it. You know, you didn't see, you, you didn't see him, you, you didn't see him working with his trainer, Joe Gusick. You know, you didn't see him asking for Joe Gusick for ice. He just kept. Joe's Gusick for advice. Sorry about that. He just kept doing the same shit over and over again. And, you know, Eddie Reynoso said it best. You know, he comes in and he leaves in 15 minutes later. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much sums it up. You know, I mean, a lot of people say he shouldn't have taken the job or he should have exited out. Yeah, he should have. 
But, you know, it's what people have to understand. It's kind of like a catch-22. You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. If you leave, you're damned. If you stay, you're damned. And, you know, trainers feel like, you know, trainers always feel like there's they feel like they can help in some way. They they try until the very end. You know, there's some trainers as soon as as soon as they sense a problem, they're out. You know, as soon as as soon as a, a as soon as they get the, you know, I, and then there's some trainers who, who keep trying and stick with it. You know, I mean, you know, Emmanuel Stewart and Teddy Atlas was a good example of that, you know, and, um, you know, when Teddy Atlas was training Michael Moore because Emmanuel Stewart couldn't train him, you know, when Emmanuel Stewart couldn't train him because he couldn't reach Michael Moore. So, and, you know, like I said, there's just some trainers who who will stick with it and there's some trainers who can't stick with it and you also got to think too he was probably getting paid a lot of money to stay so he just kind of stayed and wrote it out until the fight was over so he can get his paycheck you know i mean that's entirely possible too you know so but yeah i mean you can't train someone who doesn't want to listen and as i said before and you know ryan wasn't training he wasn't doing the things he needed to do. He was all flash, no substance. Right. A couple months ago, I made a video titled Ryan Garcia versus Javante Davis would not be close. And that video has since become super viral and catapulted my channel. But not only that, most importantly, I was proven right about practically everything. This fight was not close. Tank was looking like he was a couple levels above Ryan with his superior fight IQ and skill. And he looked like he was in control of the fight throughout every single round. Ryan's over-reliance on his left hook was ultimately why he lost this fight. And I even bet my friend that Tank was going to finish Ryan in the seventh, and that's what we got. So without further ado, let's go into the fight. Now, the first round went exactly as expected. Trevante Davis practically threw nothing. He actually only landed one punch out of the seven punches he attempted, and Ryan tried the jab and a couple left hooks. Nothing to note here other than Ryan should have been utilizing the jab more. I know a lot of those punches did not land, but it kept Gervonta Davis busy as he was trying to read them, and he could have been using it to set up his left hook instead of just throwing his left hook naked, quote-unquote, and that's something we're going to be talking about in the rest of the video. Now, obviously, this takes us into the big second round, which was surprisingly an early start to the action and much earlier than I anticipated. Ryan turned up the action early, winging hooks, moving forward, and throwing punches and bunches trying to find his left hook especially. And kind of uncharacteristic to Tank, this is more of Mayweather's playbook, he went immediately for the clinch. Every time Ryan would start one of these exchanges and move forward and throw a bunch of punches, Gervonta Davis immediately clinched. And I think this was due to Tank not being acclimated to those punches quite yet. However, Tank would find the timing to Ryan's hook real quick and would find an opportunity to land his counter. Like I said in my How Ryan Garcia Beats Gervonta Davis video, he really relies on that big left hook and in trying to land that left hook he leaves himself wide open if he misses he kind of throws his left hook and hooks in general with reckless abandonment and he always tries 
to find that finish. So he may not be disciplined enough to keep Javante Davis at range, and he may overextend and leave himself wide open for a Javante Davis counter. And scarily enough, this is exactly what happened. But Javante Davis was easily able to roll under that left hook and find a left hook of his own, again capitalizing on the fact that Ryan does not keep that other hand up as he throws his left. But all credit to Ryan, he has a lot of heart and he has a solid chin. He was able to get back up and continue the fight. Though the next three rounds would not go in Ryan's favor. Javante Davis seemed to control these rounds pretty much the same way. And the key thing here is that he had the timing on Ryan's left hook as he either backed away from them or rolled under. Additionally, Javante Davis's left hand down the middle kept landing for him hard and bloodied Ryan's nose in the fourth. I honestly thought this was going to be the shot that knocked out Ryan. However, this was still a shot that Tank landed consistently. And on the side of Ryan, it was just tough to see Ryan continue his game plan without any adjustments. Like I said in this video, Ryan had to set up his left hook with something. A jab, a feint to the body, something. Other than just trying to wing these left hooks without any setup. Now we get to the sixth round, which was Ryan's best round by far. Ryan finally found his confidence as he started to land a couple good right hands, which I'm surprised he didn't throw more of. Again, like I said in that video, I wish Ryan would have used his range by utilizing his straight punches, and I think this punch in particular was very effective because it was a punch that Gervonta Davis did not have an answer to quite yet. And this punch, along with the jab and high volume, would have kept the range and would have not let Gervonta Davis on the inside. And speaking of Gervonta Davis going into the inside, we go into the seventh round, the round everybody was waiting for. Like I've been saying before, unlike straight punches such as the jab and the straight right hand, punches that can capitalize on a fighter's reach advantage, hooks and especially lead hooks are susceptible to shorter fighters taking that opportunity and going on the inside. Gervonta Davis capitalized on this opportunity perfectly. He ducked under the left hook and he stayed on the inside. And again, this is where the experience in high IQ comes because he knows Ryan is going to throw that right hand. Right, he just missed with the left hook, so he's got to throw a right uppercut, a right hook, something, because Gervonta Davis is right there. As he waits, he's going to time his left hand, so in that little window of opportunity, as Ryan starts to throw his right hand, Gervonta Davis throws his left hand and gets him right on the liver. It was a perfect body shot that Ryan could not get up from, and it's funny because it took a while for even Tank to realize it landed really well, and you can see the reaction here. All in all, I thought this was a great fight. We saw a knockdown, a knockout. We saw the high level of Gervonta Davis, his high IQ and his high skill level, but all credit to Brian Garcia for taking this fight and showing a lot of heart. And I cannot stress this enough. I feel like boxing fans and everybody should respect Ryan for taking this fight. It's so early in his career. I mean, he's only 24 years old. He's a big star and he could have easily coasted through an undefeated record fighting guys that were not on his level. But instead, he decided to challenge himself and not only that, but fight Gervonta Davis on Gervonta Davis's terms. It seems like he made a lot of compromises, one being the rehydration clause. And speaking of the clause, I wanted to quickly go over whether or not this had an effect on the fight. Now, yes, the rehydration clause definitely had an effect on Ryan, considering he could not rehydrate to the weight that he typically weighs in at on fight night. However, from what we saw in this fight, especially with the difference in skill between the two fighters, I don't think any amount of weight that Ryan could have put on would have changed the outcome of the fight. Sure, if Ryan Garcia was able to gain more than 10 pounds in rehydration, maybe he could have came in a little more comfortable, a little more confident, but I think because of, again, 
the difference in skill. It would have just ended with Javante Davis winning again. Maybe not like a landslide here, but definitely still a win. Though I'd still really be interested in a rematch without the rehydration clause and see what would happen. And so this brings us to the immediate future of Ryan. Who is next for Ryan Garcia to fight? Firstly, I want to say I hope people still want to see him fight as much as I do. Ryan's only 24 years old and has a huge career ahead of him. And I hope we can get rid of this weird thing in boxing where we can only watch undefeated fighters. But anyways, the person I think Ryan should fight next call me crazy is Rolly Romero. The two have sparred each other with one of the infamous sparring sessions being on YouTube and I think because of Rolly's antics and the history of the both of them this fight would sell and be really fun and I also think this would be a solid W to put Ryan back in the win column. And another thing I hope Ryan does is get rid of this Jeremy Clarkson guy in his corner. He may be very funny and knows a lot about cars, but I found it absolutely appalling that he came up with practically zero game plan other than move forward and rely on his left hook. I also found it insane that he did not have the ability to make that mid-fight adjustment and tell Ryan to utilize the straight punches more. So I hope Ryan can move on to a better camp because this is definitely what cost him the fight and will cost him the rest of his career. And the next step for Tank is pretty obvious here, but I think Tank should fight the winner of the Lomachenko versus... The camp had nothing to do with it. It had to do with the fact that he wouldn't listen, okay? That, that was the thing. Like, everybody's mad at that, but the truth is, is he wouldn't listen. That's the problem. Like, he can go to as many camps as he wants, but the truth of the matter is, he can go as many camps as he wants, but the, the truth of the matter is, he doesn't train and he doesn't listen. Simple as that. I mean, what what else is there to say? I mean, Joe Gusick did what he could. And you can tell. Like I said, Joe Gusick did what he could. And you can tell he tried. But Ryan was, didn't listen. Ryan wasn't training. You heard it from... You heard it from the previous people before, and I mean, if you don't believe me, you can see it in the training videos. It's just, yeah, pretty, pretty, that says it all.